You're listening to Kiss My Aesthetic, your go-to podcast for bragworthy branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co. Let's dive into the episode. Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast, everybody. I'm making this episode because on TikTok Live last night, someone asked this question and I realized I never made an episode about it. So today's episode is going to be walking you through my brand design process from getting the client all the way through to presenting their branding. And I'm going to do this all from memory because after 10 years of doing this as a business, I've really got this down. Let's get into it. So as you guys know, brand designer, we do full service brand design for brag worthy brands that are trying to reach their ideal client through social media. That's kind of our shtick. That's our secret sauce. We work mostly with hospitality, creative lifestyle business owners, lifestyle products, and community orgs and events, as you can see on our website. But the question I got last night on TikTok Live is, what is your actual process for designing a brand? And this was coming from someone who is a graphic designer who wanted to get into brand design and didn't really know how to take it from just graphic design to full brand design. So my goal in this episode is really to document that for you. This isn't going to cover onboarding. I've got a separate episode where I've talked about that with Cody. I maybe might also record another solo episode specifically about onboarding and offboarding. But this episode is intended to just document the actual process that I take on once that client is onboarded. So as you guys know, we use a project management tool called Basecamp. Basecamp is my holy grail. It is the best thing that I ever bought for my business. And it is what keeps our projects organized. The first step is getting that client onboarded and getting those task lists set up so that there's different deliverables every single week of their project. And the way that goes is kind of like this. Once they're onboarded, they've already filled out the brand questionnaire. That is the long form, six page questions that really give us all the context that we need to know about their brand before we start the design. So they're filling that out before their project start date. The week of their project start date, they book a call with us. It's typically an hour, sometimes it's 90 minutes, but the goal on that call is to really figure out what it is they're wanting us to design. So I will get on a call with a client and this is pretty much my script. Welcome to your call. Today's goal is going to be sorting through all your answers, adding my own notes and follow-up questions, and really sifting through what needs to float to the top of the branding versus what things are going to be a given. And I like to do this in a few ways. So I will get on the screen share with the client. We'll pull up their questionnaire in Google Doc. And I like to use a highlighting stoplight system, green, yellow, red. So anything that's highlighted green is going to be stuff that's really unique to their brand. So AKA stuff that really needs to be a part of their branding or rebranding because it's really important to them or it helps them stand out against their competitors or it's just interesting. That's always going to be highlighted green. Anything highlighted yellow is what I call a bonk. So it doesn't really mean anything to anyone, but a bonk is described as something that is going to be industry standard. So a lot of times people will say that their core values are transparency and honesty and integrity. If you're running a business that's not honest, transparent, and with integrity, then we've got problems, right? So those as core values are not as strong as we like to be sassy or fun, or we have a really measured approach to the way that we do XYZ. Those adjectives are much more descriptive of that specific brand. So Those would be highlighted green. The ones that are, we're trustworthy, yellow. That's a bonk. 
And the bonk is coming from really like my past Greek life experience, where when we would talk to potential new members to join the sorority, if you talk to them and the summary of your conversation was, oh, she's so nice, bonk, everyone would say bonk, like in the whole room, because nice doesn't tell me anything about that person. I need to know she loves to surf. She eats breakfast burritos at this place. She'd be a really great fit for our sorority because she comes from a whole family of girls and has really close ties to her foreign exchange student that lives in Italy that she grew up with. Like there needs to be more context there. We got to give us something to sink our teeth into because at the very least, we hope that the people that would be trying to join the group are nice. So yellow is a bonk. A lot of times the stuff that gets highlighted on yellow for my clients' forums is that we deliver transformative results. And it's like, well, yeah, I hope so. Like, I hope that everyone is trying to create transformation. We help people. Our mission is we help people. Bonk, not enough information. Anything that gets highlighted red in that form is going to be things that we want to avoid. So I have a few questions in that questionnaire that really break down, like, what are your competitors and what do you like and dislike about them? So I really dislike how this competitor is so salesy. Okay, so that's something that we would highlight red of like, okay, we don't want the brand to feel salesy. What's the opposite of that? So in the document, if you ever watch me do one of these calls, in the document, I'm also taking my notes and I like to leave my notes in blue. So a lot of times I have follow-up questions to what the clients have listed in their document that I want us to note out in that exact document. This is really helpful because it also gives them kind of a stream of consciousness brainstorming guide to go off of. And the answers and the questions that we have in this become really, really helpful and really impactful in the actual brand design process. So the next bit of it is after that call is finished, we take their answers and we're going to do a few things with it. We call this our define phase. And in define, we're really going to collect the visual inspiration that reflects the answers they told us in the questionnaire. So instead of having the client create the Pinterest board and send it to you, which always ends up as a mess and like I definitely would never recommend that. Instead, we recommend that we create the Pinterest board and present it to the client. So in the Pinterest board, you'll see all these different sections. The sections are like logo inspo, font inspo, photography, messaging, maybe there's packaging inspo. And it's all organized in Pinterest so that you can really follow our thought process on how we pinned and what we pinned into those boards. The Pinterest board is then what informs the stock photo collection. So based on what we have pinned, if we send it to the client, hey, does this look good? They say, yep, love it. Then we'll go source stock photography or more recently, we'll create AI images that look similar to what we see in the Pinterest board so that we have a collection of stuff to use that are totally royalty-free. You're gonna wanna make sure that you have royalty-free images, especially when you're doing a brand that is just existing for the first time because they probably don't have photography. And as you know, photography is a huge part of branding. So we wanna really show them what this brand could look like by collecting images that they could either use themselves or be inspired to reference when creating their own brand photography. So that's the stock photo, mid-journey, dolly, AI image bit of this. Based on that information is how we create the actual mood board. So a mood board is our collection of nine or so images and some swatches of color. And that gets uploaded to the client on that week two of the project that says, here's the mood board. Here's the general visual direction that we're going. What do you think? If you like it, can you let us know? If there's anything that causes you pause, please tell us. Because that's your first chance to really create a bit of a checkpoint with the client on visuals, right? So you want to make sure that what they told you in the questionnaire is actually what they meant and that you're understanding and interpreting what they said and creating visuals. I always say that like 
designers are the translators of the visual world. We're taking in words and we're kicking out images. So if that's the case, we want to make sure that the images and the type of visual materials that we're kicking out are mirroring or accurately translating the word. As you know, with like language in general, there's some words that don't exist in English that do exist in other languages. Same thing when it comes to visuals. Someone's idea of quirky may look like a few different types of visuals. So in that mood board exercise, you're really measuring is what this client told me actually what they're looking for, or are they using terminology that's not actually reflecting what they're after? That's the first chance that you get to really measure what they're telling you with what you're delivering. Once the mood board is signed off on, then we enter week three of the project. Week three of the brand design project is everyone's favorite on TikTok. That is the actual like heavy lifting design day. So that's when we're sitting down. That's when I'm going on TikTok live and I'm focusing on, okay, how do I take everything that they said plus everything that they signed off on and deliver a brand? This is also during that week when I will typically go back and re-watch the video recording of the brand questionnaire call. This is really, really important. Because I'm giving myself two and a half, sometimes three weeks between that call and the branding, I'm already chewing on those ideas in my head so that by the time I open Illustrator, I've got a good idea of where I want to go. I think designers and especially new designers, they underestimate how long they think it should take for them to come up with a good idea. So they book a brand design client, they have the questionnaire call, and then they're turning around the logos by Friday. That's not enough time, at least for my brain. I like to really sink my teeth into it, really start to understand, really start to observe like what's that client posting on social media? What are their testimonials say? What are their competitors doing? Like really start to get in that mindset so that by the time I'm sitting down to design, I've got the vision in my head of where it could go. And that's what cuts down on the amount of like self-doubt, imposter syndrome, second guessing, because it's already sorted in that way. So I'll have the brand questionnaire review call that I review either earlier in the week or I'll listen to it on a dog walk just to kind of refresh my memory. And then I'll pull open Illustrator. We've got Illustrator open. I like to set my artboards 1,000 by 1,000 pixels. People always ask that. It doesn't really matter ultimately. But I'll start to do a few things. I'll definitely pull in the mood board for reference. I'll pull over some of my favorite pins from the Pinterest board. Maybe it's some logo inspo or font inspo, color palettes, etc. Drop those into Illustrator. And then I'll go back to that brand questionnaire again and pull the adjectives. Because there's brand. There's two questions that ask for brand adjectives. There's one at the top that says, what adjectives would you use to describe your brand? And then there's one at the bottom, which is like, what are three words you want your brand to be known for? What are three adjectives that you feel like your ideal customer, ideal client are going to walk away from your product or service like with a really, really good grip of? Because those tell me a lot about where we want to go with the visual direction of the brand. So to recap, Illustrator file, mood board, Pinterest images, kind of buzzwords. Then I'll also bring in what is the actual name of your business written out exactly as it should appear, which sounds so trivial to have as a question in your questionnaire. But it is so important because it's like, are we the blah, blah, blah co? Are we the and co? Are we the company? We got to figure out like what exactly is your business name to actually develop the logo. So once we have that, the next thing I'll do is typically start running through fonts. So different fonts carry different characteristics. There are fonts that look strong. There are fonts that look whimsical. There are fonts that look feminine. There are fonts that look masculine. We're playing with all these different criteria and kind of based on the inspo I pulled together, and what the client told me, I'm going to 
run through my existing font library to see if anything that I have so far kind of fits the bill. If it doesn't, I'll go to Adobe Fonts, Font Squirrel, My Fonts, etc. Kind of play around with that. I have a tendency to lean more towards wordmark-based logos, typography-based logos, instead of symbol-based logos. That doesn't mean I can't do symbol. We definitely do our fair share of symbols. But that's just kind of my design sensibility and what clients come to us for is having a really good kind of understanding of like the typography, still whimsical, but more of a typographical approach to logo design. Once we've narrowed in on a font that we like, then that's where the real fun comes in. So you'll see me on TikTok Live, of course, sitting here kind of starting to manipulate letter forms and starting to manipulate text. It's really important that your logo is more than just a typeface for a few reasons. One, you want to make sure that it's not replicatable just by like typing it out in the font. Two, you want to really make sure that you're doing something that's kind of that trademarkable design that has some kind of custom quality to it that makes it have that logo essence. You can see examples of this all over my website. So typically I'll take a font, outline it, command shift O, that's a little shortcut in Illustrator. And once it's outlined, you can actually start to drag out the anchor points and the curves and the offset and the overlap and the negative space to create something that's really unique and definitely helps you stand out, but is also still fitting the bill for what the client needs, right? So the nice part of having those brand adjectives in the document is I'm constantly referencing those adjectives against what I'm designing. So that's really helpful. Once we've got the main logo looking pretty solid, I'll start to explore with like expanded logos, vertical, horizontal, submarks, icons, etc. And then because we already have the color palette signed off on by the client, we start to execute all of those in color. And sometimes when you see it in an inverse colorway or a monochromatic colorway, you start to notice things about the design that you need to tweak. And you can see me do this. And this is the best part about live streaming it is you guys can watch me be like, oh, hate this, delete, or like, oh, this doesn't work in this color combo, can't have it, and really sift through that different experimentation to land on something that's actually going to work. So that's kind of the logo exploration phase. That effort is about three to four hours. So that's the big heavy lifting design chunk. That's what my Wednesdays are for. And that's when I really sit down and really focus and make sure that I'm measuring what I'm doing against what the client told me that they wanted. Once we have the color combinations of the logos looking fabulous, I might drop in some of the stock images. So I'll go back to the stock images and the mid-journey images that we've created with AI, start to combine those with the actual logos and see if I like the way that they look. Do they flow correctly? Is it looking solid? Awesome. We love it. Then we'll start to build the presentation. We always build our presentations in Canva because that's the tool that my whole team can access and because that's where we end up sending the presentation from. So we'll load in the pages kind of as follows. I always love to start with the title page that shows the logo. And then the second page is showing the mood board brand adjectives color palette. The third page is the main logo and then the main logo explained. This one is really important. This is when you want to have those lines on the call outs that said, I chose this font because of these characteristics. I arched this text because of this. I added this drop shadow because of this. And you really want to call out why you made each design decision in the logo and how it's also a callback to the brand questionnaire. So being able to really identify how the design choices that you made help solve the problem for the client is your greatest asset in explaining design work. 
So that's a really, really, really important slide. From there, you can show the other color combinations of the logo, show the submark, the other logo variations, and then you get into drumroll mockups. Mockups are the number one most satisfying way to really knock the socks off your clients. So I like to use Artboard Studio for mockups. It's a really, really fabulous drag and drop mockup generator tool, and it gives you a ton of flexibility. It's pretty cost effective and it doesn't crash my computer. It's web based. Photoshop, I can't stand because you have to have download all these mockups and have all these Photoshop files and they slow down your hard drive. I can just take it right into Artboard Studio, bada bing, bada boom, make mockups, and they look fabulous. Now, the thing I see designers do that's a missed opportunity when it comes to mockup is they just show the most basic of mockups. Here's a business card. Here's a sign. Here's a t-shirt. Here's a bag. No, 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 no. What I want you to do instead is think about the client and think about the instances in which people would interact with their brand. So real estate, for example, someone who is working with a realtor is going to have that first interaction, first information meeting, right? They're going to say, I'm interested in buying or selling my home. Can I meet you? Can I come into your office? And can you give me your whole spiel? So we want to create a mock-up of what that first time client interaction looks like. Maybe there is a beautiful folder and a really glossy presentation. And maybe there's some kind of branded notebook that they can take notes in. And maybe they're giving them a pen or a business card. But create your mock-up slides that are actually real-life actionable scenarios. And I promise your client is going to go gaga over them. Absolutely nuts. Of course, you can have a whole slide that's like, and here's what your sign would look like. But I think when you start to focus on what that client actually needs, and their use cases for their brand assets, they're going to be able to visualize it much better. So another example of this is like when we worked with Diana from With the Blinks, she told me that her goal someday was to get brand collaborations. And she always felt like she didn't have the branding that could support the level of brand collaboration that she wanted. She homeschools her kids. She told me that like teaching her kids things and crafting with them and being this Pinterest mom was a big cornerstone of her brand. So in the mockups, I created the visualization of like, this is what a with the blinks craft kit for Target could look like. And just went there, like went pie in the sky, went far with it to give her the visualization so that she could start to see how the branding works in the different brand applications that were aligning with her goals. Similarly, FitBoss Blueprint. FitBoss Blueprint, online business, fully online personal trainers and coaches on how to grow and scale their business to over six figures in under six months. They don't have a physical location. So in the brand presentation, instead, what we did is use MidJourney to create what their HQ office could look like and then added the logos into an HQ thing. That doesn't mean they need to go buy real estate and start like their own HQ office. But just by the fact of like giving him the visualization tool to say, this logo, not only is this logo so good, but this is what it actually looks like in the lobby of like a super ritzy hotel meditation wellness center that has the same aesthetics that you're going for. It really helped to show him the possibility. Also showed him billboard designs and bus station designs and things that where he could start to visualize how the brand comes together, photography, color palette, logos, etc. in those different applications. So you want to really, really leverage your mock-ups to make the most impact in the brand design process. 
So once all of the design, all of the mood boards, the logos, the mock-ups are loaded into the presentation in Canva, what you'll see me do is record a 12 to 15 minute video recapping the entire thing. This part is so, so, so important because it allowed me to do a few things. One, it allowed me to get through my entire thought process, start to finish, without having to gauge the client's reaction. If you've ever sent work to a client before and you've sent it off and you've got that pit in your stomach and you're like, oh my God, I don't know what they're going to think of this. That's a great reason why you should probably video record your presentations. So the antidote to that is really to sit and think about how you're going to present their own work back to them. And the hack of this, not even that it's a hack, is to go back to that brand questioner and use their own language to describe the designs that you've made. So if they wanted something that was strong and edgy and luxurious and high-end, use that language in your presentation. This is going to get to your ideal client that you told me about because this is the kind of person that does XYZ. This is going to be really useful in your first client presentation meeting for the home buyer or seller because they're going to have all these beautiful high-end textures with the branding on it that's going to feel really elevated and worthy of the investment, but still welcoming and warm. Those are just some examples off the top of my head. If you want to see the videos I'm talking about, they all live on my website. Not all of them, but a lot of them do. So if you click on the portfolio page and you click into any of those projects, you can actually watch the 12 to 15 minute video that I originally sent to the client. So you can watch the whole thing, like what the deliverable was to the client where I really walked through, you told me these were your goals, this is how I delivered on those goals, and here's where you could take it. So that video presentation, that to us is really like our brag worthy part of the process because it also creates an opportunity, and this is kind of talking point number two, where anyone who wants to weigh in on the branding that's not the business owner themselves, then can't do it unless they have context. So if you're a new designer, you've all had this scenario where you send something to a client and they say, oh, I showed my husband and he thinks this, or I sent it to my neighbor and, oh, I stopped by and my sister-in-law who is working in an industry completely unrelated, who was not a part of any of the calls that we had, thinks that the logo looks like X, Y, Z. And as a designer, that's always like so disheartening because you're like, you know what? They weren't a part of this. And also maybe that person, maybe your husband isn't your ideal client. So taking that opinion as stock in your branding is really not helping you business owner. So I will tell this to clients in their brand presentation. And I set some ground rules for the viewing of the presentation. So at the very beginning of the video, I say, this is your brand presentation. I'm so excited for you to see. Here's some kind of ground rules for viewing it. One, watch the video all the way through to start. Two, don't take any notes, have any preconceived notions. Just watch and listen. The first time you view, I just want you to watch and listen. Then walk away for 24 hours. I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to see any messages. I don't want to see any reactions. Walk away for 24 hours and then come back, watch it again and take your notes. This like waiting period I found is really important for clients because they, as most people are, are kind of adverse to change, especially if there is a rebrand happening where they're used to a certain look or a certain feel to their branding. And all of a sudden you're showing something that's a departure from that or like a 90 degree turn that they sometimes get feel off put by the idea of things changing. And it's not that what you're presenting them is wrong. It's just that they're adverse to change. So if you give them that waiting period and that time zone to kind of really ruminate and really kind of chew through what you said and see the application of things coming together, I find that that really helps them kind of like calm 
their nerves and calm their initial reaction and go back and reference like, okay, well, what did I ask for in that brand guide or the brand questionnaire? And is this actually delivering what I want? And then after they viewed it for the second time is when they can book the call to review. So that's how that works is that they have to watch the whole presentation, then wait 24 hours after 24 hours to book a call to review with us. And then we'll review it together and really talk through like, okay, what are the changes that you want to see? How do you want to see this implemented? Do you have any edits? If you have any edits, a lot of times they don't, which is the dream. But that's the whole design process part of it. And then once they've kind of signed off on that, it's, it's on to like offboarding. Once everything's approved, that's where we're like, great, rock and roll. Here's how we get you all the assets. Here's what you do with them after that. Off to the races. I feel like I just talked so fast. This always happens on solo episodes. There's just no way for me to possibly talk slow, but that's the name of the game. And that's why the solo episodes are only 25 minutes. So this episode, start to finish, we talked about the design process specific to brand design. One, talking with the client, really understanding what they're looking for, getting to know what's the green, the yellow, the red of their brand questionnaire. What follow-up questions do we have and how do we use that to inform the design process? Two, start to dig into the visuals the Pinterest board, the stock images, the existing brand photography that they may or may not have. What about their old branding is working? What's not working? The visual kind of the first checkpoint. You could think about it that way. The first checkpoint to make sure what they're asking for is what they're going to end up with. Then the heavy lifting design day, the TikTok live, the deep dive, the committing all of this information to a new concept. That's what happens in that week three. That's where we're pulling in the inspo from Pinterest. We're pulling in the mood board. We're pulling in adjectives. We're using that to inform the way that we actually design. We're manipulating the letter forms. We're creating custom logos. We're creating custom color palettes and arrangements and combinations so that that brand really feels proprietary, but that it also mirrors what they're asking for. Then the presentation. And that presentation, I'm telling you right now, that's the moneymaker. That is really the chance to shine and let all your ideas and let all of your creativity be the reflection of what the client is looking for. So that's the presentation. And once the presentation phase, send to the client, rock and roll. If you love this episode, please don't forget to share it on your socials. Please don't forget to also subscribe on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel. All these podcast episodes are posted as videos. So if you are a visual learner and you want to just subscribe over on YouTube, please do so. As always, if you have questions, you can write them into podcasts at mkwcreative.co. This was a really great suggestion. If you catch me on TikTok Live ever, like you can always suggest a solo episode topic through TikTok Live. It's a great place to do so. If you see me do something, you're confused. If you have a question, if you want to know what our tools are, you guys know I'm an open book and I'm happy to share. So always do that. Amazing. We'll catch you guys next time. I hope you have a great week and thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Don't forget to follow along and leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll see you in the Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group for years and years of behind the scenes content and over 5,000 connections with fellow creatives. For show notes from today's episode, please visit mkwcreative.co slash podcast. This episode was edited by Berta Wired and theme music comes from Eliza Vera and Nathan Menard. Catch you next time.